The My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles are brought to you by the Goose Hummock Shops, Cape Cod's largest outdoor outfitter, serving New England since 1946. Shop them online at themightyfish.com. Welcome to the My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles. The My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles podcast profiles impactful members of our fishing community and beyond. Now, here's your host, Kevin Collins. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles here from MyFishingCapeCod.com. I'm your host, Kevin Collins, back with you for episode number 14 of the MFCC Chronicles, and it's my pleasure to present to you Captain Jason Colby of Little Sister Charters. He is going to be our interview subject today. Captain Jason is also a very active member of the MFCC Forum. I know a lot of you have exchanged messages with him in the forum before, and he is going to share with us his wealth of knowledge and expertise on bottom fishing the area. We're going to talk a lot about black sea bass. We're going to talk a lot about tatog. We're going to talk about flounder and many other species of fish that you can target on the bottom here around Cape Cod. So let's get right into today's podcast and welcome in our guest. Captain Jason, how are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. Where's Mickey Mouse? Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. I thought I'm in the wrong place. Uh, I'm confused. Um, All right. Uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, My Fish in Cape Cod. That's my second favorite place next to Disney World. What's going on? We got a real good north wind here. I understand you were out fishing this morning. Is that correct? That is correct. I've got spots where uh, I'm completely in the lee. So, uh, you know, Westport's kind of beautiful in that way. Any kind of north wind, uh, it's completely protected. So let's dive right into today's show, Captain Jason. We're going to talk a lot about bottom fishing for tatog, sea bass, flounder, and other species. First off, what do you love most about fishing in general and and bottom fishing in particular? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, bottom fishing, well, first of all, fishing is, is my life. I, I mean, you know, some people fish because they like it. I, I fish because I feel I have to. Otherwise, I don't feel like I'm alive. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, that's, it's my life. So uh, I, I found a way to, uh, to, to make it my living, too. So that's a beautiful thing. Um, and bottom fishing in particular, uh, I grew up bottom fishing. So it's kind of like my nature. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I came to Massachusetts in 1998, uh, I noticed that a lot of people, you know, bottom fish and nobody uses chum. And, uh, and I try to find a way to incorporate chum in, into most of the things that I do. So it, it makes it, I, I believe it makes it more effective than any kind of bottom fishing, uh, or sometimes chumming is, uh, is, is detrimental and you got to know when to, when to, to pull the plug on it. Like when there's a lot of scup around, uh, you can just make a mess out of things by, by attracting too many scup. So you mentioned flounder before, but, uh, with flounder, uh, you know, a lot of times there's crabs present and I found a way to make the crabs your friends, uh, when it comes to chumming, you know, by, by using uh, lobster bait bags and putting clams in the lobster bait bags and letting the, letting the crabs chew up the clams. But anyway, uh, I, I hope I answered your question not too much, <laughs> but uh, adequately. Absolutely, Jason. And how did you hear about My Fishing Cape Cod? A lot of my customers are uh, are on your website, and uh, you have a writer named uh, John Silva 
who uh, writes for My Fishing Cape Cod, and he uh, introduced me to Brian a number of years back, and uh, I've, I've written a few things, so a little bit of content for the website. I've spoken to some of the uh, some of the members uh, on on the on the forums there, and question and answer, and uh, and of course uh, some of the members fish with me. Yeah, I was just going to ask you: Have you done any trips with My Fishing Cape Cod members recently? We like almost every week somebody that's a member of My Fishing Cape Cod is on my boat. That is awesome to hear. And I know you start your season in the spring and generally you're fishing for flounder is that correct out near quincy yes uh i go like i actually start middle of april when when uh, the haddock opens up uh and i fish uh you know towards towards stellwagen bank but i i have spots where i don't have to go as far as stellwagen bank and the prevailing wind at that time of the year in, in april is uh is out of the west uh so it kind of flattens things out over there in that area. So even if it's blowing a bit, uh, it's it's quite fishable. So I, I I don't want to bounce anybody out of the boat at any given time either. You know, so it's it's, just, it's important to uh, to fish in you know in 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 relative uh, I don't know not not necessarily comfort and, and ease, but uh, at least not be life threatening. Uh, so I feel better about it and the customers feel better about it and so on and so forth. And, uh, um, so in the spring water's cold, it feels a bit harder too. You hit a bump and, 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 uh, uh, you know, it's not, the water's not as soft. Um, at least it seems that way. Uh, and in, with the haddock, uh, I, I give that about a month and then, uh, sometime in, in May, uh, the, the flounder fishing starts getting a lot better, uh, and uh, I transition away from the haddock and into the flounder. And you know, sometimes if uh, get a lot of haddock really fast, uh, you know, it's a good idea to come in and uh, have people fish for flounder while I'm filleting haddock, uh, which is uh, you know makes it a beautiful thing where where people can catch both species, all right, but uh, in one trip. Uh, but uh, you know, when I switch over to the flounder, I usually try to make the to sever to sever the, uh, the ties between the two, because I could really only do, uh, one haddock trip in a day. Whereas with, uh, with flounder, I can easily do two trips a day. I do a 6am to 11am and then at noon to 5pm. Uh, so I, I really get a lot of fishing in, uh, and, you know, I have a lot of people that come from New York, uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, some as, some as far as uh, Washington D.C., uh, Virginia, uh, to to fish for flounder, and they usually make it a, a two day trip, and they and you know they they they, they come and they fish the afternoon one day and the morning the next day, and uh, you know so there's a lot of call for flounder fishing, so I I need to to spend a lot of time doing that and putting in a lot of trips. So for the folks that right. may want to you know do a flounder charter with you, Captain Jason, can you talk a little bit about what a flounder charter is like and the different techniques you'll be using to catch them? I, I provide all the bait and tackle. Um, I really like to, there's two, two techniques that I use. One would be I anchor and chum. Right? And when the anchor and chum, you put, uh, there's a long leader hook and a short leader hook. Both hooks are on the bottom. And the short leader hook gets, the, uh, gets a piece of clam. And the long leader hook gets a worm, half a worm. And... So both hooks are on the bottom, and the, the, the worm is on the lower leader. It goes is, is further down current, and the fish are approaching into the current. So they see the worm first. Uh, and generally speaking, what happens is, uh, you know, you'll feel a tap, and 
you lift the rod slowly. And when the rig tightens up, the fish is either there or is not there. If the fish is there, you set the hook and start fighting the fish. If the fish isn't there, you just drop the sinker back down to the bottom. I usually let the people, you know, tell the people you, you bounce the sinker, just lift it an inch or two off the bottom and then drop it suddenly. And you do that about 10 times really fast. It stirs up the mud and flounder are very curious. They'll come over and see what's stirring up the mud and uh, they find your bait. And what happens is uh, about well, several flounder over four pounds. In some years, some seasons, uh, I've had as many as 20 flounder over four pounds caught on my boat. Uh, last year, only one, or this year, only one, rather. Last year, a couple. Uh, the, the, the fish have been getting smaller. Um, you know, as it's just a trend uh, because there have been increased uh, dragger pressure on them. So the fish don't get a chance to grow as much anymore. All right. Um, but anyway, uh, of, the, of the fish over four pounds, and this is uh, something that you got to get a visual on. Over 80% of them have gone to the clam, which means they got to actually pass by the worm huh. because they're, they're, they're moving up into the current. So they got to pass by the worm to get at the clam, and yet 80% of the ones over four pounds go for the clam. Hmm. Uh, and you get the, the m- many more fish on the worm, but they're a smaller size average. Right? Uh, and then the other technique that I use uh, is drifting. So when the conditions are right, like you know, uh, a moderate wind, not a very heavy wind, uh, you know, reasonable current, or sometimes wind against tide situations where the where the wind or the tide is going to win, but not significantly. All right, uh, you can get a relatively slow and uh, slow by slow. I mean, between a half a mile and according to the GPS, between a half a mile an hour and one mile an hour over the ground. Right and uh, the flounder will follow the bait and ingest it. All right. And, uh, at that, when I'm doing that, I go with a half a worm on each hook, right? Because the, the fish ingest the worm quicker, right? Whereas the clam would be, you'd be missing a lot of fish. Right. So, uh, and it's, again, it's tapping the bottom, but instead of tapping it 10 times and then letting it sit, you're constantly tapping it. So the sinker is taking little hops over the bottom, and uh, if you feel anything different than that, I instruct the people, if you feel anything different than the sinker hopping over the bottom, uh, just assume it's a bite, lean forward so the fish has a chance to, to get the, the bait in his mouth, and then lift up on the rod, and the fish is there, set the hook. If not, just go back to tapping the sinker. Right? Uh, so that's the essence of the two major methods. Of course, there's uh, many different variations or variables involved, but uh, that's the basic uh, two, two different methods that I use. That is awesome info. I'm going to pivot to a different species here. We're going to talk a little bit about black sea bass during the spring. And that's something that (laughs) (laughs) and that's something that a lot of MFCC members target have no problem targeting during the spring. But for some reason, and a lot of it has to do, I know, with water temperature uh, during the summer and the fall, black sea bass is a lot more difficult for the members of my fishing Cape Cod to find and target. And they're looking in all sorts of different areas, all sorts of different water depths. It's just kind of an interesting topic to pick your brain on. And between the differences, fishing black sea bass in the spring when everything's kind of bountiful versus the summer and the fall. And do you have any kind of tips for trying to find fishy places for black sea bass outside the spring window? Well, first of all, you're only allowed five fish. So, I mean, for a person, so it really shouldn't be a big deal or a problem to get five keeper fish but if you want really outsized fish which is really what 
what I try to do. And we get a lot of them you know, all summer, like, you know, July, August, and, uh, you know, until they shut it down in September, although the charter boats did get an extension this year to, uh, to uh, October 9th. Um, but that's not usual. All right. Um, I, I personally do not fish the sea bass for myself or my people in the spring because I'm up in Quincy. Right. And you have all these fish in Buzzards Bay and, uh, you know, it's kind of easy picking. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. But when the fish spread out after they're done spawning, right, um, depending on the water temperature, they'll hit deeper structure. And uh, some of that structure is quite uncomfortable to fish and you, you snag, use a lot of, uh, lose a lot of rigs. Um, and I mentioned chumming before. Um, here's where chumming might really come into play. All right. Uh, you want to get up current of that structure. So you're not actually fishing in the structure, but you're fishing into the structure. Right. And you put a chum pot on the bottom, even if it's in 70 or 80 feet of water, uh, like in, in, in July. Uh, you could be fishing in 50 or 60 feet of water in August. You could be fishing in 70 or 80 feet of water or 90 or 100 feet of water for that matter, right? Because that's when the water is the warmest and the fish look for the cooler water in, in the deeper the deeper structures, right? So uh, you put the put the chump pot down. And when I'm saying up current of that, I'm talking about 40 or 50 feet, right? Not a couple of hundred feet because, you know, you, you, you can't line it up properly that way anyway. Right. You know, if you're, if you're off by a couple of degrees, you're, you're chumming into, uh, into not the structure and you're not, and the fish don't even know that you're there, but if you're 40 or 50 feet up current of the structure, they, you'll have all the fish on that structure right under your boat. Hmm. Right. And, uh, again, it's, it's very simple to, uh, we, we usually pick through the fish, uh, don't take anything under 16 inches. Some days, you know, we, we get half the limit on the boat pretty quick. And then I, I raise the limit to 17 or 18 inches, you know, to, to finish out the limit. Uh, and I noticed that a lot of the people that, that, uh, are members of my fishing cave, uh, like to jig sea bass. And in the spring when they're spawning, they're very, very, very aggressive and they're very, very quick to hit the jig. Um, once they're out of that mode, they're more relaxed uh, and more wary, and they're they're less likely to hit a jig. Mm. All right, even though you can get them on the jigs when the conditions are right, uh, it, it's it's infinitely more effective to fish bait and chum. Right, and uh, sometimes if there's scup around and you know, or a lot of smaller sea bass, you can get up current of the fish, and the chumming is just the fishing. I get you know six people fishing with uh with soft clam bellies uh or clam baits and the fish ripping the clams off the off the hooks that's you know that's self-chumming it's a self-chumming prophecy so to speak right and uh and i don't have to put a chum pot down but if you're just a couple of people on a boat it's probably a good idea to put a chum pot down and again um use a lobster bait bag i use a swordfish longline clip all right, uh, to, to seal the bag uh, and, and a sash weight, sometimes two sash weights, a clothesline or something close to a clothesline, quarter-inch uh, quarter rope, parachute rope, all right? And uh, you put 100 feet of that in a bucket with a sash weight on the end of it and, uh, and a swordfish longline clip, and you attach that to a, uh, a lobster bait bag with, with clams in it, and yeah. you're all set. Now, another thing that folks love fishing for, too, alongside the black sea bass are tatog, and that's a great species and a great eating fish around these parts. 
Is that a fish that you target? Uh, and if so, what season do you target them predominantly? Okay, um, I leave them alone in the spring. They're usually full of eggs. Uh, and believe it or not, uh, fishing up in Quincy while we're flounder fishing, as a bycatch to the flounder fishing, we often catch to tog, mm. right? And, uh, or, or blackfish. And they're, they're usually full of eggs in the spring. And I don't like to kill them. And I, I've been pretty successful in getting my customers to let them go, right? Uh, and by the time I get to... Westport in July, usually the, the, the tog fishing is almost non-existent. We, you know, we pick some while we're, while we're sea bass fishing. Uh, if we're fishing with crabs, uh, instead of, or, or, or sometimes we put a crab on the bottom hook and clam on the top hook and we'll pick a little, a few more tog that you wouldn't even know that they're there if, uh, if you're just fishing clams. All right. Uh, but come towards the end of August, all right, uh, you start seeing more and more tog, and in September, every day brings more and more tog. And by now, we're you know just past the middle of uh, September, and today we had full limits of tog, uh, along with the full limits of sea bass. Uh, and you know, it's it just gets better and better. And uh, once you once you're into limits, then you could start targeting size. Yeah. Right? Uh, and you know, we look, just start looking for bigger and bigger fish. Right, uh, some of the structures when when they really move in, like uh, in in October, um, I can really move away from numbers of fish to look for bigger fish, right? and uh, very often we'll be catching all fish over five, six, seven pounds with a few double digit fish thrown in uh, to make it really interesting. And uh, you know, there's there's a couple of methods that we use and some people bring methods from other places. Uh, I, I have customers from New York and New Jersey and you know, they've got other mindsets, uh, you know, like Southern New Jersey, they're, they're, they target a lot of these uh, 20 pound tog on the wrecks down there uh, all through the winter. And sometimes we get people on the boat that do that and they don't do very well when they're, they're, fishing for you know eight pound tog but uh if there were 20 pound tog i'm sure they'd do fine <laughs> <laughs> so talking about tog too and using the different setups for them i know i love the togzilla jig when and why would you would you choose to use the togzilla jig versus using a high low rig for to tog okay um simplicity and, and i i get a lot of people on my boat that that fish uh you know a few times a year uh, and then there's those that are hardcore. So there's a there's a big distinction between the way people fish and the way people should fish. And you, you got to do what you're used to and what you're comfortable with, right? And there's a bit of a learning curve, right? Uh, so let's take the jig that you just mentioned, for example. I like to fish, you know, an average of a one-ounce jig, you know, sometimes three-quarters, sometimes an ounce and a half, but I don't go any bigger than that, right? And uh, I don't even have anything on my boat any bigger than an ounce and a half. And the reason for that is uh, when a tog takes a bait with a jig, uh, they think it's one unit, right? So you got uh, a whole crab or a half a crab, if they're really giant crabs, on a one-ounce jig, and the tog picks that whole thing up and swims off with it. And when I think that fish has the whole bait in his mouth, usually, you know, between two and five seconds after the I feel the initial contact, um, I'll give it a lift, and if the fish is there, I'll give it a jab to drive the hook in. All right, fishing every day. So I have a feel for it. And people that don't fish every day I say, oh, you know, you're catching them on the jig. Let me try the jig. All right, And 
you know, I'll, I'll give them a rod identical to what I'm doing and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll never catch a fish. Whereas if they were fishing a bait rig that they're used to, uh, and uh, I, I say, ignore the peca peca and respond to the chunka chunka, give it the second chunka chunka or, you know, five seconds after you feel the first chunka chunka set the hook. Right. Uh, and they do fine. They do really, really well. They, they catch limits. They catch lots of fish. Uh, sometimes they're catching fish nonstop, but they go to the jig and, you know, it's just a disaster. Right. Um, it's, it's a little harder and takes a little more to get used to. And then you add the wind into it too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just not fun if they're watching everybody else catch fish. On the other hand, if it's not windy and, the bite's really good, and I tell them if you if you think you have the patience for it, follow my lead, right? And I'll tell you when you get a bite, and I'll tell you when to set the hook, and then you just do that from now on, right? Then it it kind of works out, but uh, a lot of people think that uh, you know that how hard could it be? And it's kind of like uh, well, I can think of a lot of analogies, but I can't think of a, one that I would like to repeat right now. So uh, <laughs> I'll just say it's it's a lot more difficult to learn than uh than just going out and doing it you need to you need to practice right and sometimes it's really good to practice on small fish right uh so you know early on the fish are smaller and uh it's a good time you know through september and the first week or so of october the fish tend to be a little smaller and then the bigger stuff moves in and that's when you really be got to be on your game so we've talked about tog we've talked about sea bass we've talked about flounder are there any other species that you target while you're bottom fishing yes um well you know targeting uh or hoping for might be two different things uh you know we we like like every day we're catching big scup uh as a byproduct to the to the tog and sea bass fishing uh we're catching one or two uh trigger fish every day all right they're uh, you know they're, they're they're around uh, I sometimes catch a blowfish there, sometimes a fluke here or there while bottom fishing. Um, but uh, the fish that I target is uh, cod. Okay. Right? And uh, I've got some deep spots. Like like I said, I'm fishing uh, sometimes 80, 90, or 100 feet of water in August. And uh, and out there, even though the water's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's warm enough for sea bass, but it's cold enough for cod. And uh, sometimes we get, you know, 20, 30 cod on the boat. We'll keep her, you know, keep her cod. Makes, makes it very interesting. Do you have any tips for people that want to take a stab at targeting triggerfish? Yeah. I mean, if you really want to target them, I, I, I personally don't like to kill them because you get a 20% yield out of them. And I, you know, like 10 pounds of whole fish or, you know, three, three average fish will, will give you, uh, you know, two pounds of filet. Yep. All right. And, uh, it's a lot of work getting through the skin and yeah, they taste good, but do you really have to kill a fish for a 20% yield? That's my mentality. But, uh, if you got to do it, if you want to do it, they really like crabs. You can fish for them exactly the way you do for uh, blackfish, but their mouths are a little bit smaller. So scale down the hook a little bit instead of like, I use five O uh, octopus hooks, the same, same I use as uh, like eight O octopus hooks for eel fishing for striped bass. I just scale it down to five O's for, for uh, uh, blackfish or toe tug. And uh, for uh, triggerfish, you can go down like a two O or three O. Right. And if you wanted to compromise, you know, get, you know, go three O or four O and you, you'll get all the blackfish and 
and then we'll be uh, able to trigger fish too. All right, Jason, one last question for you, and it's just a general, I'll say, advice question for folks that are going to be listening to this podcast as part of My Fishing Cape Cod. I know some of them listening to the podcast are going to want to put together a bottom fishing trip, you know, if the this wind ever lays down as we get into the late September, early October. For folks looking to fish the bottom, you know, around Cape Cod or even up north your way, do you have any general points for bottom fishing in the fall? Uh, yeah. Uh, what I think of fall fishing is, is tog fishing. Um, look for the nastiest, gnarliest, most godforsaken rock piles. Uh, and as the water gets cooler, you know, starting in, uh, you know, 20 to 30 feet, uh, you know, in, in mid-October, uh, or early October, 20 to 30 feet. And then, uh, towards the end of October, go 35, 40 feet, uh, and, you know, 45 feet. And, you know, and, and each week, uh, you'll see the, the, the body of fish will be, you know, a body of good fish will be moving out to, uh, structures a little bit deeper as the water gets cooler and cooler. Right. So, uh, you know, just follow the fish. And, uh, if you don't find them in, a specific depth and move out a little deeper or come back a little shallower and uh, keep in mind that if there's a big blow like we have right now uh, particularly blows out of the south or east all right uh, it does stir up the water and sometimes it takes a, a day or two for the water to clear out before the fish will actually bite so if you're not doing well it might not be you it might just be the fact that the fish are unsettled the water's unsettled okay captain jason colby just a wealth of knowledge really appreciate all the time you gave us and the members here on my fishing cape cod i just want to give you a chance jason to let folks know how they can get a hold of you if they're looking to book a charter on little sister's charter oh sure uh just send me an email that's the best way i mean i i I'm getting old, so I can't remember if somebody calls me or texts me or something like that. So uh, email, I'm right in front of my book, and I can write things down. Um, so my email address is, the, is uh, fishinglsister at AOL.com. That's the word fishing, and then the letter L, and then the word sister at AOL.com. And you can absolutely get a hold of Jason as well. As he mentioned, he's very active in the My Fishing Cape Cod Forum. So we thank you for that as well, Jason, sharing all of your knowledge and expertise in the forum. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, Jason, thanks so much for your time and look forward to catching up with you again on the podcast maybe next year. Until then, tight lines, my friend. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. A big thanks to Captain Jason Colby of Little Sister Charters, and he's also a proud MFCC member, as he stated a couple times throughout the podcast. But a big thanks to Jason for sharing so much of his time and knowledge with us here on this edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles. And that's going to put the wraps on the show. I sure hope you all enjoyed it. This is your host, Kevin Collins, signing off on this edition of the MFCC Chronicles. And until we speak again, tight lines and take care. Thanks for listening to the My Fishing Cape Cod Chronicles podcast. From all of us here at My Fishing Cape Cod, tight lines and take care. For the latest information on how to fish the Cape, be sure to check out MyFishingCapeCod.com. Become a member today and receive your first month for just $1. Join us as a My Fishing Cape Cod member.